Do you have someone you need to forgive? Of course you do. Our own pain and shame is usually entangled into someone else's. The Bible teaches that you simply cannot enter into freedom of healing while you're weighed down by unforgiveness. We often remain locked in our pain because we've either refused to extend forgiveness or have minimized the offenses committed against us. In this podcast, originally delivered at the Pure Freedom Masterclass, Dana Gress shares four things you need to know about forgiveness. So with that, let's move on to step number two. Step number two is forgive the people who've wounded you. I had the privilege of traveling to South Africa a few months ago with some of you actually in the room, and um, we did a Revive Our Hearts event over there. And I got this invitation before uh, I arrived. Uh, It was just an email Eileen passed on to me that said, would you like to have your hair done before the conference? And I was like, well, who wouldn't? Like to have like that sounds like I'm a big deal or something. Yes, is it is it free? <laughs> and so there was this woman who was a hairdresser that just volunteered to do the speaker's hair, and I said yes. This woman walked into the hotel room, and it was like the happiest Mary Poppins you could ever imagine walked in. She had this kind of Cockney accent, and she spoke with just effervescent joy, and really in the biggest run-on sentence, it was really just one big run-on sentence was what it was. As she went from, oh, how lovely to see you today, and here's the flower I brought for you, and what would you like to do? And I really like that flower. Do you like that flower? It's a fantastic. Your hair looks so good. And you know, when I was born and just like this, like, and I just kind of sat there and I was like, however my hair turns out is how it's going to turn out. Cause there's not going to be any, uh, interrupting here. But as I listened to her, she w- she made me feel joyful. Her joyful was so full that it was contagious. It, it just like, she like, I don't know, kind of like barfed joy out. <laughs> And it soaked in, and I felt so good. It was such a nice, sweet beginning to the conference. Now, here's the thing. Um, At one point, we began to talk about her past. And in as complete a joyful voice as everything else she told me about her life, she said that she and her family were driving to Johannesburg when... Her husband was shot dead. That was the word she used, shot dead. In a drive-by shooting, her husband was immediately killed. She was shot. Her two young boys under the age of 10 were shot. And one of them, to this day, as an adult, suffers from a chronic condition because of that injury. How do you live such a joyful life with such a devastating pain? with such a horrific memory, forgiveness, forgiveness. And when I asked her, how are you so joyful? She said, matter of factly, I forgave them. Like, why would you need to ask that? It was something that seemed almost natural to her. And yet, It's not, is it? Forgiveness isn't very natural. It doesn't come very naturally to any of us. In fact, it's not natural. I want to help you with what I think is kind of an unnatural part of our healing process. Here's the thing. I've never prayed with anybody 
who needed healing that didn't have somebody to forgive. Not once in 15 years of praying with people. Our own pain and shame is usually intermingled with the pain and shame of somebody else. And unless you stop and forgive someone, you cannot move forward in the process of replacing lies with truth. Now, it might almost seem nonlinear to say, what lies do you believe? And then to kind of ignore it and move on to the topic of forgiveness. But here's the thing, as you identify your lies, you're gonna bump into memories. For this dear woman, it would have been that tragic day that her husband was killed and her son's life was changed forever. And those memories have to be dealt with in forgiveness before you really have room for the truth to soak into your soul. So I wanna ask you this question, who do you need to forgive today? Let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of it. Who do you need to forgive right here, right now? Is it a friend who's disappointed you or betrayed you? Is it your pastor who hasn't lived up to your expectations? Is it a parent who's rejected or abandoned you or just isn't there? A husband who's cheated on you? A boyfriend who broke your heart and threw you away? A child who has embarrassed you or rebelled against you? A boss or business partner who fired you, left you in financial ruin. Who do you need to forgive? I want you to think about that for just a moment. In fact, let me just pray. Lord, if there's one thing about your character that it's certain, it's that you are forgiving. And you have forgiven us of much. Would you bring to our mind right now the person or persons or groups that are shackling us to unforgiveness. God, don't let us go past this important step. And don't let us off the hook. Push us, press us into the work of doing your word. Who do we need to forgive, Lord? Put it on our hearts. Put it on our minds right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So did you think of someone? Did someone come to mind? I have to tell you, because my wonderful, faithful counselor, Pete, told me, and it was a big turning point in how I process forgiveness. He says this, the one who broke your heart has no ability to fix it. That person that you need to forgive, whether you're still in relationship or not, they do not have the ability to fix your heart. But through forgiveness, you can cooperate with God in fixing your heart. Will you do that today? Forgiving the one who broke your heart ends the delay in actually having it fixed. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there where I'm stuck in a place where I just don't know why I can't get past this hurt, past this relationship. I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. And forgiveness is what moves you from the waiting room into God's operating room where he can begin to do surgery on your heart and bring you to healing. So I want to talk to you about this unnatural work of your freedom journey. Uh, this is a part of our six-step prayer process uh, about, well, on that trip to South Africa, my friend Nancy 
Damas Wagamuth texted me. Uh, she was already in South Africa. So it was four in the morning here. Speaking of forgiveness, I had to forgive her for texting me at four in the morning. Because I'm one of those people that once you wake me up, then going back to sleep, right? Um, and she said, do you think you have a message in your heart on the topic of forgiveness? And I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe. Is there a whole message in your heart on forgiveness? And that got me thinking. We believe this is a really important step in the six steps of our prayer process. Do I really understand how important it is? It's like basic Christianity 101, right? But guys, sometimes we need to go over the basics and remember why they are the basics. And that's what we're going to do today as we look at this process of forgiveness. I have to tell you that Nancy sent me her notes on forgiveness, so this is kind of a message from her heart as well as mine. Um, but I want to share with you four things I've learned about forgiveness as I wrestled with and studied for that time. The first thing that I want to tell you is this. You are commanded to forgive that person you just thought of. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Black and white. God's command. You are commanded to forgive that person. Life's hard because we hurt each other. And we will hurt each other because of that sin nature that's in us. And I've heard it said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it, right? You've heard that. Do we practice that in this whole area of forgiveness? Are we going to let the thing they did to us be 90% of our life and we're going to be like piddling around with forgiveness as this just minor thing? No, forgiveness has to be the big thing. I don't know if the percentages are right, but I know this, that we are supposed to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. He's forgiven you. What has he forgiven you of? I want you to actually think of that right now. What has he forgiven you of in your past? Did you have a problem with alcohol abuse in college? Did you have a problem with lying when you were a teenager? Did you have a problem with cheating in college? Did you have, were you unfaithful to your spouse? Were you ever addicted to pornography? Was there abortion in your past? What has God forgiven you of? As he has forgiven you, you're supposed to take that as a gift to pass on to those who wound and hurt you. Are you doing that? Psalm 130 is one of my favorite passages. I have recited it over and over. I've recited it on stage. It's very dear to me. And it says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? And I don't know about you, but if you could see a list of my sins, I could not stand here before you today. My knees would buckle and I would fall to the floor on my face. As forgiven as I am, that is not a list I want you to see. Is your list clean enough that you wouldn't do that? If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? What would your record look like if not for Jesus? Here's the thing. If I did get a list of my sins out, except for the ones maybe I haven't accounted for yet today, it would be clean because of Jesus, because of his forgiveness. Think about that. That is what we are being asked to pass on to one another. And then here's the thing. It says, therefore, as God's holy chosen people, forgive one another. And then it says, 
forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you. And then a third time it says, so also you must forgive. Does God think that maybe we're not going to get it? Yeah. Three times in one little passage, one little message, he says, forgive, you're commanded to forgive that person. The second thing that I want to tell you about forgiveness is that there are five consequences to unforgiveness. If you're not living in forgiveness, you may experience physical manifestations. Some of those physical manifestations are chronic illness and unexplained pain. I took some time to look through medical journals and medical research, and I was overwhelmed with the research that says that things like autoimmune disease, pain, cancer, hypertension are related to stress, and many of those medical journals actually use the word unforgiveness as a contributor. Wow. 60 to 90% of the health conditions that we struggle with are stress-related. How much of those are rooted, that stress is rooted in unforgiveness? And how many of us could walk away from those conditions in wholeness and wellness if we practice this command to forgive. At one Revive Our Hearts conference, an attendee wrote a prayer card to follow up. It was actually a praise card to follow up a prayer card. She wrote, I had requested prayer on my prayer card for a back problem. After I made the decision to forgive my sister and mother, I noticed that the pain in my back was gone. I've had this pain for months. I believe I've been healed in my heart and my body by stepping out to forgive. I've seen that in the prayer room. I've seen people experience relief in parts of their body where they have not felt relief for ages. I've seen headaches, chronic headaches stop. Sometimes you don't see it right then and there as you pray with someone, but down the road they'll say, I haven't had a headache for six months. God heals our bodies, but we cannot receive that healing if we're holding on to unforgiveness. Here's another thing. You'll generally experience an increase in negative crippling emotions. These are the negative effects of our unforgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, this passage suggests that the bitterness and wrath and the anger and the clamor and the evil speaking can be put away through forgiveness. Wouldn't that be nice to live without those things in our life, without those things in our heart? You can. You have to forgive. You're going to have a hard time stabilizing your emotions as long as you're holding on to that unforgiveness. Another consequence of unforgiveness, you cannot experience God's forgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five. I don't really understand this. I don't know how it works. I don't expect to understand everything about God until I'm standing before him. I have a lot of questions. But Mark eleven twenty five says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, I don't really, I want to believe that God is merciful enough and graceful enough that he would forgive me if I was holding on to some unforgiveness. But that's not what is written here. And boy, I don't want to play with that. I do not want to play with that. It doesn't matter how badly somebody's hurt you. Holding on to that unforgiveness is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt them. Another thing, unforgiveness, another consequence of unforgiveness is it binds you to the person you have not forgiven and your past. 
You want to stay stuck in the past? Hold on to the unforgiveness. Grip it tight. Do you read my sarcasm? Um, I've experienced that in a kind of an unusual way related to my sexual past. I'm going to explain it briefly because I really want to save this for step number four where I can really unpack it. But, you know, it was unfathomable to me as a teenage girl who loved Jesus, was a teacher for Child Evangelism Fellowship, active in my youth group, teaching the three and four-year-olds in my church that I would ever sin sexually, but that is exactly what I did. At the age of 15, I was a baby. I look back and I think, I was 15, I was a baby. My heart had no idea what to do with all of that. Before, after, during, the pain was. But I got out of that relationship. I stood before God and I said, God, teach me to live a life of purity. Now, I never really went through a process of forgiving my sex partner because it was mutual. I didn't really think to do that. But until I did, this thing happened in my marriage that I cannot understand or that I did not understand for a long time. It's that every time Bob and I would have a disagreement, and I should tell you that Bob and I are a high-conflict couple. We have learned to fight fair. Um, I think my counselor has looked at me and said, stop it, a few <laughs> time or two. But we are, we're both very driven. We both have a lot of ideas. We're both leaders. Ask my staff if we're a high-conflict couple. They will tell you about staff meetings. We, are, we, we struggle to, to rest, be at rest and let the other lead. Well, and that's more my sin than his. But every time we would have a conflict, not just a little one, but a bigger one, I would think about this boy who's a boy because he was young too. Now, I didn't think about him sexually. I didn't fantasize. But more it was kind of a um, penance. It was punishment. It was, if you hadn't done that, this relationship wouldn't be so complicated. If you hadn't sinned that way, this marriage would be easier. If maybe in God's eyes you're married to him, and this can never be easy. Lies, lies, lies. But my point is this. Until my friend Lynn took me through the prayer of forgiving him, that's what happened. And then one day, she said, hey, have you ever prayed? And I'm like, oh, no. So she prayed with me. And I didn't really expect anything to change. But I noticed like six or eight months down the road, after a few fights, that it hadn't happened again. I had been unbound. I had been untied. I had been untethered from him through verbally choosing to forgive him. I know that this works. I know that this works. Unforgiveness allows bondage, bitterness, anger, hurt, all that stuff to grow inside of us, not the person that we need to forgive. I mean, everybody has heard the thing about the rat poison, right? Unforgiveness is like swallowing rat poison and expecting the person that hurt you to die. It doesn't work that way. Unforgiveness hurts us, and it complicates and compromises our walk with God. And it complicates and compromises our relationships with other people. And the other thing you need to know about the consequences of unforgiveness is you give control to the enemy. 
2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Anyone whom you forgive, I forgive also. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Now, the, I just lived this one out Tuesday. So this, I, I'll just share this little thing. First of all, I have the perfect mom, literally. All of you that know her know that this is essentially true. I'm sure she sinned sometime in her life, but she has been nurturing. She has been good. She has been godly. She is a prayer warrior. She is wonderful. And I don't know that we've ever had a fight, but I think we kind of had one on Tuesday. So we, my son just had twin girls, Addie and Zoe. They're still in the NICU. We're still praying them out of the NICU. And we got word on Monday that maybe, just maybe, this week or next, Zoe will get to come out of the NICU. So the, the moment the call came in, I got so excited. I looked at Bob and I said, I have to go to Walmart. Because that's, you know, the logical thing is I need stuff. Diapers, wipes, lotion, all the stuff. And I had previously that day talked to my mom about, hey, maybe we should get the like, stuff ready. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Well, I kind of forgot that in my excitement. I went to Walmart, I bought the stuff, and I really wish I had let her because, hmm, that stuff is expensive. <laughs> so the next day, she's not returning my text. And I'm like, my mom's not returning my text. She must be dead. Like, this just, my mom could be in a meeting with the president, and if I texted her, she would excuse herself. She is just, seriously, she's been on the doctor's table before, and I call, and she says, hello, I'm in an examination with the doctor right now. I'm like, then mom, don't answer the phone. <laughs> it's okay, I'll be fine. So she's not texting me, and I'm thinking, I don't know what this is. This is so, so Wednesday came, and I, I just kind of called her, and I said, hey, I'm having a really hard day, this da-da-da. And she's like, oh, I've been outwitted. I said, what? She said, I've been outwitted by Satan. For 24 hours, I was outwitted. What was I thinking? I said, what are you talking about? She said, I was mad that you bought the diapers. And of course, it's a stupid thing, right? Of course, it's a stupid thing. And it's especially stupid for her and me because we have a wonderful relationship, but that is exactly how Satan works. He said, she said, I have been outwitted because you have the Pure Freedom Masterclass this week and I am your prayer wall. And for 24 hours, I didn't pray for you because I was mad at you because I bought diapers. Listen, that gets bigger and badder and scarier. Don't be outwitted. Whose side are you going to be on? You choose unforgiveness, you have chosen your side, and it is Satan's. If you choose forgiveness, you are at work with God's Spirit. The third thing I want you to know about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice facilitated by obedience to God. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice facilitated by obedience to God. I've been there when I have said, I don't feel like forgiving that person. And you have been there when you don't feel like forgiving that a person. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. You say it. Sometimes your emotions catch up and that feels really nice. And sometimes they take a really long time, but you're not going to feel it before you do it. I can promise you that. Here are a few things that forgiveness is. Forgiveness is obedience to God. Colossians 3.13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I've already read that. It's a command. 
Forgiveness is seeking a clear conscience. A few years ago, a ministry partner of ours decided to take an idea that our ministry was working on and start it without us. And we found out when it was promoted on social media. And it was a little bit of a I shouldn't say much more so that my heart stays clear and my conscience stays clear, but it was a little complicated. And for a number of different reasons, as we saw some, let's just call it hurt, we decided we couldn't work together anymore and said it maybe be better. You take that idea, you do that idea, we'll keep doing what we're doing. But this person didn't like that, so they sued us. Now, I really believe that Christians aren't supposed to. I think that's written down for us, that we're not supposed to do that. And it ended up costing our ministry, and um, we had help from a really loving donor, about $200,000 to defend our ministry. And I'm telling you that when your name is being drugged through the mud, when lies are being told about you, when you're writing checks for those lies to be told about you, forgiveness is a hard work. And almost every day, you can, you can ask to see my Psalm 7, because it's all ripped up. It's all ripped up with my emotion. But I would have to read this out loud every day. I was like, Lord, my conscience is not clear. I know I said I forgave him yesterday, but today I do not. My conscience is not clear. And I would have to forgive again, and then I would read this. And the beautiful thing about this Psalm is it's, you should read it if you're having trouble forgiving someone. It's like, Lord, if I've done this, if there's any wrong on my hands, if I've repaid my friend with evil, then trample my life and lay my glory in the dust. Like that's what's written here. So you're holding yourself to account here. God, what am I responsible for? Did it take two to tango here? Where does my heart need to be cleaned up? Where is my heart not clean? And where is my conscience not clear? And then it goes on, this was always easier part, is, hey, if, but if this person is pregnant with lies, and if this person is full of evil, then make a pit, dig it out, and let them fall into it. That part was never hard to pray through. <laughs> but what this psalm does is, is like verbalizing forgiveness. It's saying, okay, God, where am I responsible? I forgive this person, and you get to be in charge of what happens to him. Sometimes you got to wear out passages of scripture to do the act of forgiveness. Sometimes it's really hard, but is your conscience clear? Is your conscience clear? I'm telling you that every day my conscience was not clear in that particular work of forgiveness, and I had to start over, and I started in Psalm 7. Forgiveness is canceling debts rightly owed to me. That gets hard when it's a $200,000 price tag on it. It gets hard for my friend Crystal when there's a life attached to it, the life of her husband, the health of her son. It's not anything to be taken lightly, but it's saying, yeah, this is pricely, this is costly, but you don't owe me anything. Forgiveness is acknowledging that justice is God's job, not mine. The book of Romans tells us that as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Your job is peace. Your job with that person you're having a hard time forgiving is peace. However it is possible for you to live at peace with that person, you do that. And if for right now that means not being friends, not being in fellowship, not visiting a whole lot, then that's how you obey the Lord in having peace. 
But be careful what you do with your tongue. Be careful what you say about that person while you give yourself distance for healing. As far as possible, live at peace. And then the verse says, vengeance is mine. God will take care of it. He will take care of you. Forgiveness is not trusting that person not to hurt you again, because they might. Forgiveness is trusting God to take care of you, no matter what's in the future. It's accepting that that person doesn't have the ability to heal you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his wounds, we are healed. You're not going to be healed by that ex-boyfriend. You're not going to be healed by that ex-girlfriend. You're not going to be healed by that pastor that disappointed you. You You're not going to be healed by that boss that fired you. By Christ's wounds, you'll be healed. Another thing is forgiveness is accepting that the damage done is 100% your damage to deal with. This is a really hard thing for me in some of my relationships until our counselor Pete gave me this word picture that I want to gift to you. He said, I want you to imagine that as I'm standing outside of those swinging doors behind Hector, I'm just standing there having a nice cup of coffee with Deb. And we're enjoying ourselves when Hector plows through the door, spills hot coffee all over me, and hits me so hard in the nose that my nose begins to bleed. And Hector says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He takes my coffee, he cleans up the mess. But that's about all he can do. My nose is still bloody. It might be broken. I have to take myself to the hospital to care for my brokenness. Hector can't do it. You're the only one cooperating with God's spirit who can undo the damage that's been done. Another thing about forgiveness, forgiveness is no longer demanding that whoever hurt me should be hated by those on my side. Come on, you know you need to say amen to that. Listen, I have a dear, dear, dear friend. One of my favorite, if I had to put like top 10 friends, this friend would be on this list. But for a few years, we had a really hard time. And we had a mutual friend that I was obsessed with. Does that mutual friend love her more or me more? See, just even thinking that, just even thinking that, if you've ever thought that, Okay, I know some of you have thought that. You're giving me the poker face like you've never thought that. Just even thinking that is evidence of unforgiveness in your heart. Now, I don't know how that works in you. If some, for some people, it works out as gossip as we try to recruit the person in the middle to our side. For me, it worked out as withdrawal because I thought I wasn't worth as much as this friend I was estranged from, and so the mutual friend deserved her. That's unforgiveness. That's all the bondage and binding and rootings of unforgiveness in your life. Stop trying to make your friends take sides. Forgiveness is is saying, I won't do that anymore. And forgiveness is promising never to bring the sin up again to control or hurt that person. You know, one of the best things my husband's ever done for me is walked out. Walked out out the forgiveness he gave me the night I confessed to him my sexual sin. Listen to me, that wasn't an easy thing to do. We were five plus years into marriage when I finally told him I wasn't as pure as he thought on our wedding night. Seems to me he had some room there for some questions, but he didn't ask those questions. When I confessed to him, he held me. He verbalized God's forgiveness 
And after 30 years of marriage, he has never, ever, not one time, though there have been opportunities, used my sinful past against me. He's a good forgiver. He's a great forgiver. You know, me getting to sit here before you today to teach this, me getting to write books, me getting to stand on stages in front of thousands of people, very big piece of that is because of my husband's forgiveness in my life. What a gift. Whose life trajectory could you change if you gave them a gift like that where your forgiveness was full and complete and you didn't use their past as a beating stick? What could God unleash through your forgiveness? So that's some things that forgiveness is, but what isn't it? Because this can be very confusing. Sometimes, sometimes we don't do forgiveness very well. So let me tell you a few things that it's not. Forgiveness is not minimizing, denying, or excusing the wrong committed against you. Say the words, call it what it is. That person was abusive. That person was unfaithful. That person rejected me. That person abandoned me. You know who it's really easy to minimize? I see this all the time. When I get into the prayer room and I'm praying with someone about a memory they've had with their mom or their dad, inevitably something that comes out of their mouth is this. They didn't really know any better. It's not really their fault. That's not forgiveness. That's minimization. You're not going to get the full freedom that you need if you belittle what they did, if you minimize it. You've got to call it what it is. You know what I do is I, I tell someone when they're trying to forgive one, someone, I'm like, okay, so what I want you to do right now is you just remembered that night that your parents told you they were getting a divorce. And that was the night that you started having panic attacks, or that was the week when you started having panic attacks. That really costs you a lot. This has been 10 years of panic and anxiety because your parents chose to get a divorce. You should be mad about that. There is a righteous anger in how that decision and their sin has impacted your life. It's okay to be mad. So I want you right now to just say, okay, God, bring to my mind everything my mom has ever done, everything my dad has ever done that's hurt me. And until your mind goes blank and you can't think of a single other thing, just barf it out. Just throw it up. Let's get it out. Now, I'm not too excited about my kids doing that someday, but the reality is I'm broken and I've broken my kids. My brokenness has been part of their brokenness. My grandchildren, I sat there in front of Addie and Zoe in their little NICU incubators the other day. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me never to break them. But I will. I know I will. Because I know myself. And so then I prayed, Jesus, keep them safe when they get broken by me, by their mom, by their dad. We break each other. And you can't forgive somebody. If you don't admit how much they've broken you, you've got to call it what it is. You've got to barf it all out. And then I like to tell them I'm taking the trash out. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I don't have a sea of forgetfulness and neither do you. That is a gift only God seems to have. As I've wrestled with that, you know, sometimes I'm tempted to bring up somebody else's sin. I'm tempted to say, you hurt me this way. And I've done it. I, I'm not a good forgiver. I shouldn't be teaching you about forgiveness because I'm not a great forgiver. But maybe I'm the right person because I struggle with it so much. Nancy's note said this, 
If we forget all wrongs committed against us and the pain we have experienced, we would not be merciful or empathic towards those who are in pain like we have been. There's your silver lining. The fact that I can't forget the hurt that that person brought against me, that's just humanity. That's proving I'm not God. And it gives me the ability to pass on healing to other people as I have empathy. Forgiveness is not a single event. It's an event followed by an ongoing process of walking in the same direction over and over and over again. You know, when I was forgiving that partner who left us, that, that was every day. I'd be like, oh God, I started walking in the wrong direction overnight while I slept. How did that happen? And I had to turn myself around every day and walk in the right direction. I choose forgiveness. And I tell people when I pray with them, listen, I know you just forgave your, your, your ex-boyfriend. I know you just forgave your husband. I know you just forgave your pastor. You're probably going to have to do it again tomorrow. And you might have to do it again the next day. And then maybe it'll be three days so you have to do it. And then maybe five, and then maybe ten, and then maybe a month. But Satan is not going to like this victory. And he's going to wrestle it from your hands. And you're going to have to say out loud, I choose forgiveness. It's, a, it's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing thing. And finally, I want to tell you this. The fourth thing about forgiveness is forgiveness is really hard. Forgiveness is really hard. And if it isn't hard, I have to wonder if you've really forgiven. It's never been super easy for me. Maybe you're just better at it. I don't know. But forgiveness is hard. I have a friend I've been working with and praying with who was sexually abused. And every time we get to the forgiveness part, we, that's where we stop. Because you can't go any further. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because when she gets there, it's going to be so real. She is doing the hard work, the hard thinking. Now, if she waits too long, I might have to, you know, tell her, no, it's time today. You just got to say it. You got to start verbalizing it. At some point, you got to start doing it. But it is hard. And that's what brings me back to this idea that it's not natural, right? It's supernatural. It is absolutely supernatural. Remember, I told you about my friend, Crystal. As she was telling me so matter-of-factly, that her husband had been killed in a drive-by shooting, that her son had been wounded. I said, but Crystal, how? And she said, I forgave them, matter-of-factly. And I said, but, but, but the joy, how are you so joyful? And she said, I had 12 wonderful years of marriage. And I have empathy for people I could never have had without this pain that I still carry. I said, I do not understand what you're telling me. You're telling me this. You're telling it to me with joy that seems real, not artificial. And I do not understand. And she looked at me. She held me by the shoulders. And she said, oh, I didn't do it. Jesus did. I could not have ever done it except God's spirit in me. Listen, you can't. Do it without God's spirit. Forgiveness is a supernatural act as God, that God performs in us when we choose to obey him and trust him by verbalizing forgiveness. Are you obeying him and trusting him by verbalizing forgiveness? Are you doing that? If not, stop. 
Don't go looking for your truth until you obey him. I think so many times we're like, God, give me the freedom, give me the healing, make everything nice in my life, but we're not willing to do the hard work that it takes to cooperate with the Spirit by obeying God. And before you find his truth that will set you free, you've got to obey him by forgiving. This message was presented at the Pure Freedom Masterclass. This is the second in a series of six entitled Pure Freedom Masterclass Six Steps to Healing Series. Be sure to take time to apply what you've learned in this podcast before you move on to step number three. Keep it simple. Don't try to forgive everyone who has ever wounded you just yet. Stay close to the emotions, memories, and lies you explored in step number one. Write down the names of anyone you need to forgive as you thought through that first step. Take out some paper and write down the names of anyone you need to forgive as you thought through that first step. Then begin to choose to forgive them, being sure to think through anything that comes to mind and write it down. You'll be ready for the next podcast after you complete this task. If you enjoy this series and want to dig in deeper, consider joining us at next year's Pure Freedom Masterclass. Learn more at danagresh.com backslash masterclass. This podcast was produced by Pure Freedom Ministries.